welcome back to How I Deal, where we examine a single pass-close deal, how it played out that way, and provide a couple of tips at the end that you can use in your deals today. My name is Taylor Dollum, full cycle account executive, now content guy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Junior Latte, the sole skating deal maker here at Pickle. Junior, how's it going, man? Yo, episode 29. Appreciate the Brink reference here. That's a Disney throwback. Although I much prefer the Tony Hawk pro skater style where you can actually do cool tricks. Sorry, Disney, but you just fail all the athletic ability in every movie. But on to sales things. Hot take, but probably not hot take. Tony Hawk, much better. I'm not a rollerblader, but... (laughs) A quick explainer for those who are tuning in for the first time, every conversation we chat through a single deal. What that means is from start to finish, we want to understand, hey, what went into the research? What went into the discovery conversations all the way to getting that deal signed or not signed in some cases, but today we've got a signed one, which is awesome and kicking off implementation. And essentially we want to leave out all names places, specifics, which allows us to dive a lot deeper and avoid maybe some NDA conflicts. Today, we've got Zeke Lucas. He's been crushing various sales and marketing roles since 2014, currently developing new business and accelerating pipeline at Rent Dynamics, considers himself go-to-market free agent. We're lucky enough to have him join us. Zeke, hit us with some interesting facts. Tell us about your role. And then of course, you know the problems that Rent Dynamics solves. Hey guys, Zeke Lucas. In fact, is on the weekends. I own and operate a very humble art studio called Public Works Studio. I turn street photography into psychedelic, trippy, funky art that raises money for charity. My current role is business development pipeline acceleration manager at Rent Dynamics. I'm kind of a, as Junior said, I'm a go-to-market free agent. I straddle a line between sales, marketing, and account management report into the CRO, work with the VP of sales and the VP of marketing. So do everything go to market currently. And then Rent Dynamics is a company. We're a resident experience platform. We have a CRM to help with marketing. We have a contact center to help leasing teams outsource some of their work. And then we also have an awesome mini called Rent Plus that helps renters build credit every month they pay rent. Super exciting time to be part of the company and super exciting role where I get to do a little bit of everything week to week. Love it, Zeke. A true free agent, like you said, in the go-to-market space, an awesome position to be in. But today, what deal are you walking us through? Yeah, so this deal comes from a little way back in time before my current role. It's when I was at Oracle as an advanced customer services account executive, which basically means I sold managed services. The industry I sold into was logistics, a logistics independent software vendor, meaning they sold their own software in the logistics space. The company size was enterprise. They made over $2 billion in revenue every year, and they only had around 250 employees. In terms of stakeholders, I was selling into executive IT, a CIO, a chief system architect. And then about halfway through the deal, I sold into a new CIO after merger and acquisition. And the reason I chose this deal is because it was my first deal as an enterprise account executive. So a lot of stress and anxiety and focus on this deal and, and focus on leadership. And it's interesting because I landed the first part of this deal, the base package in 30 days. And then the other interesting part is I was able to increase the deal size by 300% in the first six months for a midterm expansion. 
the first deals are always exciting to talk about. There's so much like anxiety and I don't know, you just don't know so many things, even if you've been selling, it's just a new product, a new flow, everything like that. So an exciting one to be talking about, to say the least, 2 billion in revenue is what this company was doing for 250 employees. Hopefully, you know, each of them are millionaires or something because that's crazy. Just an insane amount of revenue. And for you to be able to work with a company like that was really cool. Not a lot of people can say that they've done that. A great deal. How'd you find out about them? And I know you're a big research guy. Like we've talked about the research you do at Rent Dynamics. I myself was really impressed with some of the sequences that you're running right now. So jump into some of those aspects before we jump into the actual prospecting. Yeah. So thanks, Junior. You're the king of LinkedIn prospecting. So that means a lot. In terms of why this company was on my radar, I was selling managed services for SaaS. We sold extension integration management, critical process management, as well as having a business help desk. What that basically means is we help companies that had really complex environments streamline how they handled the operations of them. And so this company was on my radar because they're in logistics and they're also an independent software vendor. Those types of companies typically have a lot of integration needs. They have a lot of different systems connecting a lot of other different systems. And so I was targeting this week, I was targeting 10 logistics providers in the US that sold software. And then the research medium is, I understood, you know, 2 billion in revenue, 250 employees, that's a sign that they might need some consulting help. Saw they had a newer IT leadership team, their CIO and chief system architect had been in seat for less than 18 months. That typically means that they're brought in to make changes. And I also understood that they had all of their financial and supply chain in SaaS. And so they're outsourcing to cloud. They had a small IT team and they made it and they had a very complex environment. And so that's why they were on my radar. I feel like on the the research side of things, right? This is your first deal, but you're you're talking like it's your 50th deal. Did you know all this or did you bring in like team members to give you these triggers that you're looking for? How the hell did did you know to research all of this? Yeah, so I'm a little bit of an atypical rep. I'm very much a learn it all, which what that means for my manager is it means I'm probably going to bomb my first quarter and not sell anything. And then in my second quarter, I'm going to know everything. So as an SDR, before I got promoted, would have a lunch and learn with the top field rep every week, people that had been doing sales for longer than I've been alive, you know, the people that have been selling database to Wells Fargo in the 1980s, 1990s. And so I would learn to like, what do you look for in accounts? How do you approach accounts? And then that's how I was able to maybe stand out as an SDR and get promoted. And then as an A, stand out from the other A's reaching out to this account. Smart. You got to link up with the smartest, the people that have been doing it the longest. There's a word that you used earlier in that word. I'm like very particular on like the content. When I write something or say something, I think a lot about it. And you said typically, and this word gives so much flexibility when you do outreach, right? It's like, hey, typically teams like yours have X, Y, and Z pain. That's not to say I'm telling you, you have this pain and it can feel you know, very similar to what I'm trying to get at, but it leaves like flexibility to be like, you know, but we can talk through it. So you had mentioned, you know, typically when companies bring in a CIO and some other members, like they're there to make changes. It's like, okay, great. So then you lead with that. Typically when a team is this, the IT team is this small, but there's this many integrations, they're overworked, right? Like there's these triggers that you're able to use and those things are typically true. Exactly. 
So at some point, all this research, like you said, you're an over-preparer, but at some point you do have to deliver and get your foot in the door. What did that sequence look like? How did you leverage every aspect, every channel that you can to get the foot in the door as well as like, what did the messaging look like? What, what did they specifically pick up on that you found interesting? Great question, Taylor. So in this role, the framework I used was a 10 by 10 every Friday. I do all this crazy research on 10 accounts, find three to 10 contacts in each account. The goal with that research is to give me permission to be thoughtfully aggressive. If I know five to 10 lines of personalization about their environment, their team size, how much money they make, what their needs could typically be, I'm able to then be really, really aggressive in my outreach. Um, In terms of sequencing, what that looked like was on Monday, that's a personalized email. On Tuesday, it's personalized follow-up. Wednesday, it's a phone call with a voicemail. And then I send an email immediately. It says, hey, left you a voicemail. I want to follow up on the above. would love to get some time. And then Thursday, it's a LinkedIn connection. And so I'm hitting them phone, email, LinkedIn. It's five touches in five days. Um, More aggressive than most people would do. But when you do that level of research, it gives you permission to be a little bit more aggressive than reps that are just sending a template boilerplate message. When you say it gives you permission, we've said that in the past, right? If you open up an opportunity, you meet with the VP of sales, that gives you permission to then contact the rest of the team. It gives you permission to do this. What you're saying is because the information is research relevant, personalized, whatever, you have more permission to be aggressive. I've never really thought about it that way. I'm assuming you've seen success in doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so on LinkedIn, you're always seeing influencers saying never personalize an email because they won't read it. That might be true if you send one email, but if you personalize an email, I'm going to make sure it gets read. And so I'm going to follow up on day two, day three, day four, (laughs) and you're going to see it. You might be a little annoyed, but when you open the email, finally, you're going to say, wow, this guy actually did quite a bit of research and there might be a compelling reason to meet with them. Love it. Okay. Keep going. (laughs) Keep going. Yeah. So when you do things like this, what happens is, you know, they're going to open the email because you're blowing up their phone, you're blowing up their email, and then they open it, they might get some value out of it. And so with this account, what was interesting is I saw that they opened the emails a ton of times. I hit five of their five contacts, line of business leaders and IT executives. I, they opened the email a million times and they never didn't respond. I sent a couple of follow-ups the next week, but nothing crazy. And then six weeks later, they came inbound. They emailed me and said, hey, Zeke, have an idea. We need to connect. And so that's how we got that first meeting. That's awesome. It's a direct consequence of what you are doing, right? Sometimes we're out there, we're prospecting, we're sending messages and doing all this stuff. And then an account that's under our name comes through inbound, but it's hard to directly tie that back to our own efforts. But in this case, there's like direct ties. It's for sure what you have done. What did discovery look like here? And then were there any major pieces that you learned about that you were like, I, because of this, we feel confident in this deal? Sure. Yeah. So when we got the inbound, when we had the inbound lead, it was the CIO. And then when we had the demo schedule, the discovery scheduled, it was the CIO and the BI director. When we hopped on the call, the CIO was nowhere to be found. It was the BI director. The BI director wanted to talk about one specific technical challenge they were facing. Not a huge pain point at that stage. And so we followed up with the BI director, but then separately, I like emailed and called the CIO and said, hey, like the problem that the BI director mentioned is normally a symptom of a larger problem. It's normally an issue with a support structure. This is not fixing the, this is the tip of the iceberg. CIO responded and said, hey, sorry, we had a system outage. Um, didn't mean to miss the meeting. And then we sked, that true discovery started that second meeting with the CIO. When we met with that CIO, there was a lot of pain. 
they mentioned they're spending 300,000 a year and for consulting currently their SaaS spend for the technology itself was 700,000. So they're spending almost half as much on consulting as the technology itself. And they weren't getting any performance out of their system. They're spending almost a million, they're spending over a million dollars on consulting and tech and their system was crashing multiple times a week. There's tons of pain. He was brought in to fix it and he wasn't getting a lot of traction and they didn't have IT team internally to fix it. They only had a team of less than 10 for 2 billion in revenue and in a $700,000 environment. And the reason for that is this company, they had their own proprietary platform. They're experts in the world of logistics. They're really, they're top five of what they did. But when it came to resource, when it came to financial planning or supply chain planning from a SaaS perspective, they really didn't know what to do and they had to get outsource it. That discovery with the CIO immediately segued straight into a demo on call one because of the amount of pain. Like Junior mentioned early, earlier, just like in my reach, I was able to say, hey, Mr. CIO, typically when people say that, this is a sign of X, Y, and Z. If you're okay with it, I'd love to give you an overview of our services, share a ballpark of what pricing could look like, and paint a picture for what 30, 60, 90 days, if you signed a contract, would look like and how your life would change. Outlined how implement how the implementation kickoff call would work, outlined how service delivery would work, everything from contract signature to go live. I outlined on that first call. He was interested. The ballpark pricing that we showed him was very well within range. They're already spending 300000 a year. So we sent him a scoping questionnaire. He got it back to us in 15, 20 minutes. And we immediately sent him pricing. In that follow-up, I had no idea what to do. And I created this framework that I used throughout this deal called As Discussed, As Promised, As The Next Step. Hey, Mr. CIO. As discussed, here's what we talked about. As promised, here's a scoping questionnaire I said it would sent over. As a next step, once you fill this out, we will send you a draft contract review to begin red lines. Zeke, on a more artful sense of it, or like a psychological sense here, typically when, I'm, when I've met with CIOs or more on the technical side or even working with development teams and more technical people, very straight line, linear level of thinking. It doesn't seem like you needed to do too much pain analysis or like, the art of selling where you're trying to pull out by doing leading questions is very, here's our problem. Here's how much it costs or here's how much budget we have, whatever. Is that the case? And I'm curious, did the framework you laid out as discussed, as promised, here's what we're going to do next. Did that really help the sales cycle along because it was so linear and probably matched up with, uh, with how the buyers think? Yeah, exactly. It was straight line. It was all guns of blazing. Every day I woke up and expected the deal to die or for a roadblock to happen. And it never did until we got to red lines. They had a crazy ask on red lines and they weren't responding. You know, we said like, hey, we can't do this. And then my sales manager said, hey, text the CIO and ask about it. And I didn't want to do that. I thought that was weird at the time. It was my first deal. And then the next morning, my sales manager said, hey, what did the CIO say? And then I had to just, and I had to text him. CIO immediately called me right after I texted him within two seconds, was fumbling super hard. And then we talked about the red line. He was totally cool with our solution. And then he signed that day. And so start to finish deal was 30 days from first meeting to last meeting. It was 29 days for contract for that first base package. You're right, Taylor. It was very straight line. The, after we got the scoping questionnaire, what we kind of derived was we would start with a base package, a smaller package, and that would serve as a proof of concept for a larger package in the future. The land and expand model is always interesting. And it seems like either the pain was so relevant or they buy super fast anyways, but you're landing, you know, a much smaller deal. I don't know, 300,000 was the what they were previously spending. So even if you come in and you're like half of that's great, maybe some cream off the top to your pocket, you know, like 
whatever. But when you land and expand, how did you stay relevant to the conversation? Because a lot of times the deal is closed. Maybe there's still some opportunity on the table, but me as the account executive, I start to get replaced by a CSM and a CSM you know, manager. And then also maybe like an implementation or project manager takes over. And they're now like through a whole different phase of working with my organization. And then I'm like back to top of funnel. So how did you manage staying relevant through that process? Yeah. So when you're selling consulting, selling never really stops. You have to justify what they're currently spending and justify the future spend as well. Because I knew there was so much pain, I joined the kickoff call with project manager, created a really strong relationship and rapport with chief system architect. This was the CIO's right-hand man. He was really close to the day-to-day operations. On the kickoff call, we saw four major problems were outlined with system performance. After that call, I met with the internal team, the project manager, and the consultants, and just shared the vision of what the upsell could look like, shared the pain. And they all knew were immediately on board and knew that this could be something bigger. After that, I joined every single weekly call. It was super technical, way above my head. Uh, I was lost sometimes, but I would just ask the project manager after what was going on. Whenever unique issues arose, I would escalate that internally to make sure that the customer was getting unique resources aligned. And then about two and a half months in, after joining those service delivery calls every week with a technical team, just like we expect with land expand, consumption was running a little low. We started with the smallest package. And I told my sales manager, told the pro- touch base of the sell- project manager, and everyone was on the same page on the Oracle side. We needed to upsell and we needed to upsell really soon. What my manager told me to do was email the CIO for the sake of the story. Like the CIO, we, last time we talked to him was three months ago when he signed the deal. And up until this point, we'd just been working with the chief system architect every week. I knew in my gut that emailing the CIO was the wrong call because we hadn't talked to him in so long. But my sales manager kept following up and saying, hey, have you emailed Mr. CIO? Have you emailed Mr. CIO? Have you emailed Mr. CIO? So I did it. It was my first you know, expansion deal. And the base pack was my first deal. So I, I did it. Um, CIO was angry. He was really upset. He sent a nasty email to me, <laughs> a nasty email to his chief system architect. As soon as I got that email, I didn't know what to do. So I just called the, our contact, the system architect, just leveled with them and said, hey, like I know that your team's upset. Uh, me and you have a great relationship. Whatever we need to do to make this happen, let me know. Like, if we need to refund you, if we need to adjust terms, let me know. First and foremost, we need to make you happy. He was super understanding, and his feedback was like, "Hey, I wish you just ran this by me before going to the CIO." So, the takeaway is, if you know something in your gut, even if it's your first deal, go with your gut. Don't listen to your sales manager because he's not on the weekly calls every week. What had happened is because that first deal was 30 days, the CIO didn't understand every single nuance. And when we just sent him pricing, it was just us like popping out of the popping out of nowhere, asking for more money. And so what happened after that is the chief system architect understood. He understood the value and he understood why we needed more money and why we needed to expand. And so over the next four weeks, created multiple new assets, created unique slide decks, documents that didn't exist prior. I just had to wing it and do my best on making something look presentable. And then the system architect just sold it internally, continued on every service delivery call to track progress and escalate things. And then a benefit of that is you get, when you join service delivery calls, you're able to do discovery every week and incorporate that into your follow-up. And so over the next four weeks, system architect got asking in terms of the CIO, the CIO understood the value. It's five to eight emails a week, one to two calls a week, multiple texts per week. And eventually the CIO said, Yes, I understand the value. Like, wish we had of like communicated this a little more clearly a month ago. 
And so just by not going through the system architect, like my gut said, that pushed the deal back a month. Yeah, there's a lot to be said. I'm guessing the sales manager is, hey, let's just go directly to the CIO because one, he signed the first deal and now you they need to expand quickly, right? So in the sales manager's mind, this is the guy who's going to sign again. Let's just go there. Whereas the bulk of the value in what you're presenting is with the systems architect. Um And so it's like going back to your champion, right? Starting again with your champion, they likely know the situation that they are in as well. So it's a much easier conversation to go with your champion, like, hey, to accomplish everything that we're hoping to accomplish, we actually, we need to expand this. And then you almost work it like it's a whole separate deal as compared to just taking for granted the fact that you're already customers with this person because yeah, you get a couple marks against you and now you got to rebuild that relationship. Luckily, right? Systems Architect was like, hey, I believe we can still do this and you can work with them to get back to that point. So Zeke, this is a two-parter deal, right? Like we've covered the first part, things started to unravel a little bit, so to speak, but at the same time, this is a two-part deal. And at some point, this deal does close. What ultimately transpired? And then from there, what, what did you do to put a nice bow on this? Yeah. When we got back on good terms with the CIO, he said yes to the deal. And then that was a Friday. And then on when then Monday, Tuesday, didn't hear anything back. It was radio silence. And on Wednesday, we found out that there was a merger and there's a new CIO in place. Now with the new CIO, he killed the deal immediately and said, no, absolutely not. And then over the next course of the next two months, it was again, a process of meeting with the system architect every week, creating internal assets for him to sell to the new CIO. And then eventually after eight weeks of back and forth, the system architect, the new CIO eventually came around and signed the expansion deal to to bring it from 60K a year to 180K a year. And so first deal was uh, in terms of timeline, it was a six month deal. The first deal closed in 30 days. Second deal closed with the new CIO in six months. Number of meetings, 34 meetings over the course of six months. So quite a few number of text calls and emails. It was a monster. It was 150 text calls, emails, multiple touch points every single week with multiple contacts. And in terms of framework and keeping this monster monster database of data organized, um, every single interaction, when I followed up, I used a framework called that I just created out of thin air called as discussed, as promised, as a next step. Hey, here's what we talked about. Here's what I told you I would do. And here's what customers typically do next. And then for every meeting, I would have a purpose, plan, and outcome to kind of set an agenda. So I had, always had a framework for every meeting and had a framework for every follow-up. It's awesome. Creating your own frameworks, like that's not an easy thing to do, but obviously it paid off here. So we've wrapped the deal up. You get the you get two deals essentially out of this one. What are some tips that you learned through this deal that you would give to any rep who's trying to close something in their pipeline? Yeah. So there's three, like we talked about at the beginning, be aggressively thoughtful. If you do really good research and you have a lot of personalization, it gives you permission to follow up four or five times in a week. And make sure that your personalization will get read and that research didn't go to waste. Second, have frameworks so you can think less and keep everything organized for every meeting, purpose, plan, outcome, for every follow-up, as promised, as discussed, as a next step. And then when you're prospecting, maybe do something like a 10 by 10, 10 accounts, 10 contacts each, and then personalize each of those messages. And then the third part is if you know there's upsell potential, after you sign that base package deal, be a part of service delivery, join your CSM, 
join your project manager and be a part of that weekly call every week because it gives you an opportunity to discover at the end of the call for 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever that looks like. And you can also get to build a really strong relationship and have a champion for life out of that call. This is a great deal. A good one to be talking about um, not a lot of two-part closes. So it was cool to hear how you're able to accomplish an upsell with an opportunity that you worked closely with, but quick right? Which is really unique. Some frameworks, just to recap those. So the follow-up email framework, as discussed, as promised, as a next step. If you're kicking off your meeting, and a quick agenda is, here's the purpose, here's the plan, here's the outcome. And then if you're thinking about ways to prospect 10 accounts, three, three contacts per account, just some great ways to, to think about frameworks within sales. Zeke, thanks for joining. It was great to have you, man. Thanks for having me, Junior. Thanks for having me, Taylor. And just like that, another episode of How I Deal is in the books. Thanks, Zeke, for joining us. Thanks to all of you for tuning in and listening. This is the reason the show keeps going. So please keep it up and continue to give us feedback on what you love and what you want to see more of. But until next week, we will see you then.